It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. You are listening to the Women's Podcast, brought to you by Green and Black's Organic Chocolate. Discover a different kind of dark. Welcome back to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. As you might have heard, November is Food Month in the Irish Times. But if you are anything like me, it's been Food Month every month since pandemic living began last March. My WhatsApp groups have been full of recipes and sourdough starters and banana bread. And now it's full of people sick of cooking and dying to get back to restaurants. But whatever your food mood is... Food Month is here for you. And in this episode, we talk to Irish Times magazine food columnist Lily Higgins, all the way from Cove in Cork. And speaking of the Irish Times magazine, we wanted to send a huge congratulations to Rachel Collins, the editor of that magazine, who this week won the Magazine of the Year Award as part of the News Brands Ireland Journalism Award, sponsored by the National Lottery. Rachel and her team have produced an incredible publication week after week in this pandemic. I know a lot of you have enjoyed opening its pages every Saturday. And kudos also to Kira Kenny, who filled in for Rachel when she was on maternity leave last year. So well done, Kira. Well done, Rachel and everyone involved in the Irish Times magazine. I love writing for it and it's so beautifully laid out and designed as well. Now, the Irish Times also won awards for Best Covid Coverage with the Lost Lives series and Johnny Waterson won Best Sports Reporter. And we should also mention the little matter of a victory for our podcast stablemate, Inside Politics, which is hosted by Hugh Linehan. Now, the women's podcast was nominated in the same category, but if anyone else had to win, we're really glad it was them. So well done, Inside Politics, and well done, Hugh Linehan and everyone involved. Now, back to our episode today. Lily Higgins is a food columnist, mother, and also the author of two wonderful cookbooks that are always being used in my house. Her recipes in the Irish Times are accessible and guaranteed to please whether you're cooking up a storm for a family or just dining on your own. And like many people, Lily has pivoted in the pandemic with Instagram live videos showing how to cook her simple, tasty recipes. We were delighted she joined us to talk about Food Month and the food that has kept her going during this very strange year. Here she is, the brilliant Lily Higgins. Lily, thank you so much for joining us from beautiful Cove. Um, and we're so glad you came on the podcast to celebrate Food Month. And you have been playing a blinder in Food Month because you're doing these Instagram lives. Tell us about them. Definitely. So I think um, this year we're sort of getting used to doing everything a little more interactively and people are more open to it as well. So it's actually great that Food Month is near the end of the year where we're all so used to Zooming and, you know, logging in in so many different ways. So the Instagram Live basically is making the column leap off the page and come into your kitchen. And I think a lot of the time when I read an article and read a recipe, I really want to cook it and you might have the best intentions of doing it. But it's a different thing then to, for someone to say, like, meet me here and we'll all cook it together. And that's a really good way 
way of trying out new recipes. Um, and it's just basically forming a nice sort of foodie community, which is really lovely. And the thing with the lives is that people can comment and ask questions and as they're going along, or they can just watch it first and they can sort of interact. It's just so interactive, you know, so that's what I love about it. So your final um, Instagram live is going to be this Monday at six o'clock. Is that when you exactly, do Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And what are you doing for that one so people can get ready? Well, I thought I'd sort of pull out all the stops and I'm going to do volivangs. So, <laughs> so the good news is volivangs are back. They That's haven't gone off. very 70s. They, I know. Like for some people, I think some people will think, where you know, they never went anywhere. But I think they kind of did for a while. Like a lot of people didn't have volivangs. But for me, it was um, my friend's group chat. We were all like late. One was late to the group chat and she said, oh, sorry, I was just having a volivang. And we all sort of stopped and we were like, you what? You know, so um, I think it's, you know, they're basically little individual pies, you know, little golden puff pastry towers that we, you know, we need right now in our lives. And I think um, they're absolutely delicious. So I did a mushroom version with thyme, but of course I gave loads of options as well, how you could do different versions, you know. So we're all going to be getting our puff pastry on then on Mondays. We'll it? all be getting a puff pastry. And you know what? I think, you know, the way the whole theme with me is, you know, fast family feasts. So it's little, the pre-bought cases, you know, that you can get giant Valavang pastry cases. It's the stuff of my dreams when I was small, <laughs> that you could get a bigger version of the little ones you pop in your mouth. Um, so, yeah, I think they're absolutely delicious. And I think they're kind of a fun thing and a really quick dinner option as well. OK, brilliant. Now, listen, what has been your... Uh, food life during the pandemic because obviously your whole career your life you've got small kids and um, a busy house and your food was important for you anyway and it became this huge thing for all of us during lockdown and we're all cooking morning noon and night and it's like you know we can't go to restaurants a lot of the time and there's a bit of takeaway happening but I think people have really rediscovered their love of cooking and the kind of experimenting with things so how has your food pandemic been first of all? Well, it's been really good. There was sort of a there was sort of a panic at the start because I was thinking, can we source all the things that we want, you know, because I love the farmers markets. And of course the first lockdown the farmers markets were closed, you know. So but now thankfully they were acknowledged as being like an essential place to shop and outdoors and everything. So that's been great. But I found um the uh group called Neighbour Food, who there's some in Dublin as well. And basically you can order all your um, market goods online and collect them. So there's one locally here in Cove. There's a business um, that they used to do, you know, um, kids tours and things like that. And they used to have like Halloween house and Christmas house. And they just totally um, changed their business to become Neighbour Food. And it's it's in their family home and you go there every week. And it's just, it's in Cuskini here in Cove. It's absolutely, it's where I got now, married Lily, actually, Roisin. Is that where you yeah. got married? I was just going to say, because I was, I was at Lily's thing. wedding, I have to tell everyone. Yeah. Yes. And Cuskini House does this amazing thing at Halloween, at Christmas. They transform yeah. the whole place. That's wonderful to hear that they've kind of, I think the word is pivoted. They have for this pivoted pandemic. major, pivoted big time. <laughs> yes, exactly. And like such a delicious pivot because it's amazing now you see them every single week and it's just real community spirit and everyone's chatting out in the car park when you collect. And it's it's so perfect because it's so socially distanced. Everything's very safe. It literally takes five minutes to just go and collect your stuff. Um, and it's supporting local producers. And I mean, for me, it's essential because with my work, I need to have like the nicest looking chicken, the beautiful herbs, and I can just get all of that. So it's been it's been really good, like not supporting local business, but also getting the food that I need for my work, you know, has been really great. And what did you find? Did you find things changed at all in terms of how you were cooking or dishes that you started to do more of during the pandemic? 
Well, when the kids were at home initially, I started doing a lot of slow cooker things because they kind of got needier as the day went on, especially when they were at home. So I just thought that if I knew there was a curry or a stew in the slow cooker, that we could just sort of do something like out in the garden or do arts and crafts for the afternoon or something like that. So it sort of took a bit of pressure off. So that was really good. Um, so I just sort of, I actually was planning ahead. I know I always write about planning ahead and prep and stuff, but I don't really do it myself. I'm just scatty. So, <laughs> but then I actually had to start, you know, planning ahead because I only wanted to do one weekly shop I only wanted to you know have everything I needed in the fridge or the freezer I, I couldn't be popping to the shops because the kids were with me all the time as well of course the same as everybody else so I just sort of found I was meal planning a lot more and I found that really enjoyable as well you know I think that's something that everyone's done actually I find that myself because I definitely before the lockdown I was much more oh god what's happening tonight what's going on and now I have much more sense of calm like on, on, on the weekend it's really it's a real sort of event now like you know planning out the week's meals just making sure I have everything in and it's like you say so you don't have to be kind of running out every every two minutes to get stuff but it also makes for a much more conducive kind of just calm environment around food I find. Yeah, the, the sort of panic has gone from us, you know. Yeah. Like, and before, I mean, we had um, burritos now the other night and I was just thinking I must pop in for an avocado. And then I was thinking, no, I'm going to make the pea guacamole that I've written about before. You know, I have frozen peas, I have coriander, I have limes. So it's just kind of diversifying like that and just knowing that it doesn't have to be perfect and exactly the perfect recipe either. And it's just showing the kids as well. The kids have gotten a lot more involved like they were always involved in food choices as in, you know, loudly saying what they didn't want and what they did like and all that. But now they're more, you know, they they want to know like what's for dinner, like even dropping them to school this morning, they were all chat about duck pancakes and, you know, so it's actually great in that way as well. So and they've oh, been doing baking pancakes. with me and everything. Duck pancakes is one of my favourites, but yeah. I usually get the packet from the, uh, from Aldi, you know. With, oh, with the but I, I do as well. Duck. It's actually the... um. Is it the Silver Hill Duck do they have yes, it cooked already Silver and you just yeah. put it into the oven and it crisps up and I love that. So we're having that it's tonight gorgeous. and we're having um teriyaki mushrooms, just mushrooms all marinated because I have to do another vegetarian thing because I know the kids are gonna just take all the duck. So <laughs> So you'll be left with the look but they're lovely mushrooms. <laughs> Teriyaki mushrooms, just while we're on the subject, how'd you do them? Yeah. So there's a bit of teriyaki um, sauce or what? Yeah, so I marinated them last night and it's um, soy sauce and you're supposed to put mirin in, um, but I didn't have mirin, but this is how, um, this is how diversifying out. I had mead, you know, Kinsale mead. And it is beautiful. <laughs> They're dry white mead. So it's it's like a fortified sort of honey. It's absolutely gorgeous. So I use that instead of mirin and it's perfect substitute. Um, and what else did I put in? Loads of ginger, loads of garlic. And so the, mu- the mushrooms have just soaked up all that. And now tonight just into a hot frying pan and fry them all up till they get a bit crisp and all the liquid will sort of evaporate and put some sort of um, finely sliced spring onion on it and it will be just so delicious and, and at least you'll have something to put in the pancakes when they've robbed this all the lovely yeah, fatty so duck I, to, I know the duck fat oh my god yeah the I fat is love. the best bit isn't it it's the there's best fight, there's war over our table I usually have to get two because bloody hell everyone just takes it I know it. yeah it is absolutely delicious um, so listen we're going to talk about three particular recipes that you've done during uh, this very strange year and um, that have really flown and people have just loved so we're going to talk about those but before we do can you just go back a bit and talk about how your love of cooking and food began because it's just in you have a huge family um your mum and dad are you know great people particularly your mum for the cooking and doing things from scratch so it was literally from from the time you could walk and talk you were you were hearing and absorbing all this stuff 
I think so. Like, so I think um, nowadays my parents would be incredibly trendy and hip, you know, that they had pigs and hens and, you know, all this sort of stuff. But it was just out of necessity, you know, um, that like we had to, they had gooseberries and they had loads of stuff planted up. So daddy's like the son of a farmer. So he, daddy has to have something planted at all times, you know. So even like during lockdown, he just went, we ended up having a table at the gate for people to just take stuff. And even all his seedlings, (laughs) mommy would put all his seedlings down there. So they did, um, and they did a little box they did a fundraiser for UNICEF and everyone had to put in the money to take the tomato plants and all this sort of stuff so it was actually lovely sort of community feel for them to do that as well but but daddy felt like he had to feed everyone you know like he had to feed the islands you know so um so yeah they just love they love um food and they love just the really you know planting things and growing things so I grew up a lot around that um but I was actually thinking the other night one of when I was studying for my leaving search and everything I used to go to bed with cookbooks and just be reading cookbooks you know so all the warning signs were there and <laughs> I just didn't realise Now Lily just to be clear this wasn't for your domestic science exam this was just you reading cookery books It was for me your, just reading cookery enjoyment. books Yeah I used to just love them you know I used to just love reading about like the origins of recipes and like different ways to cut tomatoes and cucumbers and you know just I used to just feel like it was like turning my brain off to read about all these things you know after a hard day at secondary school or whatever so um, <laughs> and I didn't even realise it was the, it was the styling as well as what I really loved you know in those terrible 80s cookbooks and the 90s cookbooks and stuff I used to just love the styling and the crockery and everything so um yeah so I just loved it and like as a middle child as well of you know eight kids or nine kids um I always wanted to get my mother's attention so the best way to do that was be in the kitchen with her you know where everyone else would be off playing and I could come in and sort of peel carrots or something and be chatting away with her you know so that was a really nice bonding thing for us okay so and then you went off and studied in Ballymaloo as well that was your kind of proper formal training Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, it didn't occur to me to do um, food. So I did like I did animation for a year and I did art and design and then I did my degree in design. So it was six years basically where I could have qualified as a doctor, you know, but instead I qualified as like someone who definitely didn't want to work in design. So, um, so then when I finished and got the degree and everything, I was like, yeah, definitely I want to work in food. So um, my parents were just so patient they were like okay you know so then um I went to Ballymaloo and did the 12-week course which is brilliant um and then I taught there afterwards as well so it's good to be able to see both sides like being the student and being the teacher you know just the amount of work that was involved and just um I mean, it's just an amazing place to learn. I absolutely loved it down there, you know. My, my kids, as you know, because I'm always badgering Lily for um, recipes and, and sending her pictures of cakes that the girls make and stuff. And I'm asking her if we've done it wrong or do we need to, to do this this sort of way. But, you know, they're so into it. I always think they're that um, one day I'll, as a present, I'll get them. I know it's expensive to go down there, but I think even if you don't go end up in cooking, just to do that 12 week course would be something, a life kind of enhancement yeah and it's a life skill like isn't it um yeah like I say to the boys all right when they are old enough I think the the summer courses start when they're 12 or something you know that we'll just go down there for a week and it's only half an hour for me anyway but I was saying we could go down there for a week and they could all do the course like and so the boys are, they can't wait to do that you know when they're about 12 just a week of it and just you know I know they'll just be making brownies and things like that but it's just immersive you know yeah, um, I'll come down and you can, I'll stay in your spare room with the girls and we'll, we'll do it as well yeah will you yeah, perfect the girls <laughs> would love date, it yeah <laughs> they could teach it at this stage. My God, they're amazing. Uh, listen, tell me now about the, the recipes that are most popular. Like, what have you noticed yourself about kind of feedback from your food community? What are people saying to you that they're 
that they're enjoying, that they're getting a kick out of um, being sort of stuck in the kitchen a lot more than they were maybe used to. I know. Well, I think basically anything with chicken, people love anything curried, people <laughs> we're love. so basic. They just, they just love, you know, um, things like that. I think people are always looking for vegetarian options as well, definitely. And especially like family friendly vegetarian options. Um, people don't like things that are too kind of exotic, but they don't want to be patronized either. So it's kind of trying to find a balance where you're bringing something new in, but not something that's too out there. So I try and sort of have a, a base recipe and then give options then in the actual article for how you can, um, you know, make it more complicated or less complicated. And I think it's just about, it's, it's always just about sharing ideas and sharing recipes and sharing inspiration. And I think inspiration is definitely something like travel for me has always been a really great way to get inspired. And obviously we can't do that this year, you know, so it's kind of just about celebrating the local produce here in Ireland and seeing how amazing that is and sort of really getting back to basics with, like I said, things like bread making people are getting a bit obsessed with as well. So it's sort of relearning our basics. So like a really good stew, you know, a really good um, stir fry, just the, the low actually the stir fry was really a really popular option as well um, and that was basically trying to recreate sort of stir fried vegetables with noodles that you would get at your favorite takeaway so and that was very simple like very few ingredients and that was kind of a key dish actually that got a lot of people cooking you are listening to the women's podcast brought to you by green and black's organic chocolate chocolate to savor and of course, if people just look up your name and the Irish Times, all those recipes are there. So we're going to talk about three of them. The first one we're going to talk about is called cowboy beans. And it's something close to my heart because I'm a big fan of making my own baked beans. Like I love an old Heinz tin of baked beans. Don't get me wrong. But I also love making my own because it's so delicious and so satisfying and they're always much nicer. Exactly. They're so much nicer. And even um, like so in that article, I think I gave options for, you know, if you want to dry your beans and cook them yourself. And it's just such an affordable option as well and really, really healthy. So that is one thing that I stocked up on was loads of dry beans because I wasn't sure what way shopping would be and stuff at the start of lockdown. But of course, everything's been fine. So now I've stuck with loads and loads of dried beans. Um, so basically, I think if you've got beans and tomatoes and herbs and adding like a little bit of brown sugar or something in there is absolutely delicious. Um, and you can sort of make it as slow cooked as you want. Well, that's something that works perfectly in the slow cooker that dish is. But you can also do sort of a faster version of it as well um, by just doing tinned beans with this. Yeah, you call them yeehaw cowboy beans. Is that to get your kids like excited about this? <laughs> exactly. I think if you just put some sort of a name on it, you know, I'm not going to, it's completely different to restaurants, you know, the way you'd get slow cooked, you know, with an, you know, an assiette of herbs or whatever in a restaurant. But at home, I have to put a twist in it. So my son Liam was going through a major cowboy phase at the time. So I just said, look, this is actually what, like cowboys actually genuinely eat this at a campfire and so then they were all eating they were like yum 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 yum, you know so it's it's basically I just talk my way through dinner time if it's something that they need convincing about so my article every week is 600 words but I'd say most dinner times are about 2,000 words where I'm describing the dish the method I use to cook it you know different options you know if you want to add cheese to it you know things like that so I just spend dinner time chatting to them and but they soak it all in you know Absolutely. so um and listen you serve that you serve the cowboy beans with roast chicken and sort of that's how you 
you do it. Yeah, yeah, roast chicken, exactly. But I mean, you could use sausages with it as well. Um, but I just think that's kind of nice and balanced and like all the juice from the chicken goes into the beans as well if you put it all into the oven at the end together. So I think it's a nice balance of protein and carbs. And then, Lily, like, you see, I think we're a bit obsessed with, I know myself, out of lockdown, I've started to move away from it. But the old potatoes with everything is something that I think as Irish people, we kind of, we find it very hard to get our heads around not having the old potato. But with something like those baked beans and chicken, that's actually a very substantial meal. You don't need to add another carb there into it. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I think, like things like chickpeas and barley and grains and things like that. They're all really good substitutes. And that's what I found as well with lockdown is like my fridge can only hold so many potatoes. Like, so I can't have seven days worth of spuds in the fridge, like because the fridge would be jam packed, you know. So I've had to have a few different sort of options as well there. And of course, pasta is always such a good fallback. But you can't have pasta like, you know, one of my sons actually doesn't like pasta. Um, so it's always kind of, it's kind of fun to have all the different dislikes because it makes me change things up a bit, you know, like they've never had the whole pasta pesto thing ever. Um, like I'd say they had it twice before and then I thought this is great and I gave it to them too often then. So then they wouldn't have it, uh, you know, so, um, so they they can be kind of picky eaters, but it's just kind of good for me in that way. But I think definitely with them as well, one doesn't like spuds, so I can't give him potatoes at all. There always has to be an alternative for him. Oh, not doesn't like potatoes. My God. No. Where did you get I that know. person? He's he's the middle. I won't name him, but it's Cahill. Um, <laughs> but he just, I know. And I say to him, like, you know, my granddad used to be a potato farmer and we all loved <laughs> potatoes. And he was like, well, I don't, I don't. I'm just, oh. So um, I can't that. tell my dad about it. My dad still doesn't know that. Oh, that no. Cahill doesn't <laughs> When is he going to come out about the potatoes? I don't know. I mean, it's going to be. be Some people say when you're coming out, writing a letter is a good way to come out. Maybe, maybe some sort of a party. We'll have a a little party. Um, But he has so many other options to potatoes. That's it's you know. There's so many options. So Carl would okay, be well, fine. I'm sorry for your troubles there, Lily. That's quite distressing. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's a very good that in the Ireland of 2020, we can embrace all kinds of people. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Poor Carl. <laughs> um, now, listen, the next one I want to talk to you about is this amazing fish curry. Now, fish curry is not something I would ever think to make. But the fact that this can be made in 15 minutes is very tempting. Exactly. Um, and I love the headline on it that was in the Irish Times. A quick, easy curry that can be made in 15 minutes. Go on, so, as in going, yeah. going, so. Go. It's very good. Oh, I see what you did there. Um, but <laughs> tell us about this, because 15 minutes is a very short time to get the dinner on the table. It is, but it, it's like an ideal time. And I think that's where sort of fish comes in really, fish is so handy. I like, I'm always trying to bring more fish into our diet. I'm just so aware we definitely don't eat fish. And it's so bizarre because we're on like a little island surrounded by the sea um, and we've access to incredible fish. But I think it's just making it accessible for people again, like this year, you know, you have to have your fish fresh. Um, but there's so many delivery options now as well. We've discovered them all. But this is really easy because it's sort of based on like a curry paste. Like I've no problem using sort of quick cheat ingredients. Like they're not even cheat ingredients. I just got that from Delia. But sort of easy ingredients like that, you know, <laughs> like you have to have things like curry pastes um, and coconut milk. Absolutely gorgeous flavour. And the fish then just you just pop it on top and it sort of slowly simmers um, and it just sort of cooks itself. And we can't overcook beautiful fish like that. So you could use like a meaty fish like hake or cod or pollock is absolutely perfect but really quick and loads of flavour and just like some lime juice and coriander and it's been a big hit with people just because it just shows how the simple things can often be the most effective 
Yeah. And like, if you're not sort of a fish curry person, I definitely think it might be one to try. I'm going to try it because I kind of like, it yeah. wouldn't be something I'd order in a restaurant or that I'd think of, but I, I bet it's gorgeous. I mean, I can see just from your description. Oh, it is delicious. And like I was saying to my kids, I know Cahal again wouldn't eat the fish. And I was saying it doesn't taste fishy. It just tastes of all the gorgeous spices and the coconut milk. And, you know, it's a really lovely blend, you know. Okay, and then the final one, I think a lot of something that we've all been doing a lot more of is one pot and one tray cooking. A lot of my friends in lockdown have got very obsessed with this woman, Rukmini Iyer, who just makes every kind of dinner in just one roasting tray. And it means that, and they're all, there's such variety. Like in my head, there's only a certain type of dinner you can do in a roasting tray, but actually she blows that whole thing wide open. Um, have you been doing more of that or have you found that's what people want a bit more of? Yeah, well, I think, do you know what? I have her um, veg one, but she's got one. She's got like the quick roasting tin. She's got three of them in that series that are just amazing. Um, and like, we just need that because anything that encourages people to cook is just perfect, you know. Um, so very little washing up is brilliant. This one pan dish is the paprika chicken. And basically it's a bed of orzo, which is a little rice shaped pasta. Um, but it's just pure comfort food. It's cooked with tomatoes. So there's actually loads of vegetables in there really um but there's pasta and then this chicken is all laid on top and it's coated in paprika and it is gorgeous and I love doing um there's slices of lemon on there as well that sort of get grilled and toasted and sort of jammy in the oven and it is just it's actually such a winner of a dish I really love that and it this chicken thighs are on it as well which I think is something people don't appreciate as much as they should because the meat is so delicious they're so easy and quick to cook exactly and they're so cheap they're really cheap you know um and there's just more eating in them and exactly like the flavors if you have the bone in them the flavor is just absolutely gorgeous um and that all soaks right into the orzo. So it just makes it really buttery and it's actually a delicious dish. So that's that's one of my favourites and it's something that you, know, you can kind of assemble everything in the morning and then that evening just throw it all into the oven and it's gorgeous and really versatile as well. Yeah, and listen, you know, just talking about the pandemic again and kind of how we've changed, I mean, because a lot of things... I mean, at the beginning, particularly when it was kind of springtime and there was so much beautiful nature and people were kind of looking around more. That was a lovely thing that people said, that we were kind of more aware of our surroundings. We, we, we weren't busy because we couldn't be. So we kind of were appreciating things um, a lot more. What do you think have been kind of maybe some of the benefits of this time or, or, or that have you felt that have helped people or that people have woken up to especially around food I suppose but just generally what do you think yourself about um maybe some good things out of this whole very very awful time yeah well I think um a lot of people got into gardening and sort of growing their own and even like if if the worst thing from it is that people sort of attempted it and then realized how difficult it is to grow and then would appreciate the produce that they could buy then that is actually something so hopefully people saw that um, I think food waste is such a huge thing as well. Hopefully people realised with food waste um, that, you know, we have to keep every single bit of everything and reuse it and freeze things. And just the beauty of leftovers, you know, um, like that you can save money. You don't have to be popping to the shops all the time. Um, another thing is just like cooking is such a skill and such a joy. So hopefully, you know, we all eat. It's so important. It's so important for health as well that we're cooking things ourselves. Um, so hopefully people sort of rediscovered 
the joy of cooking and being in the kitchen and also sort of sharing family meals, you know, where, you know, everyone was at home for dinner. You know, people weren't home late from work or outing activities or dinners weren't saved till they came home from ga or whatever it is, you know. There's always different reasons why everyone isn't sitting at the table. So for a little, little pocket of time there, we were all sitting down together. Um, and even that is kind of gone now. But I think sort of just the ritual of eating and cooking has definitely been brought into people's lives. And some people have had the... Um, brilliant ability to sort of slow things down as well and aren't going back to the way things are. So I think even with the sourdough is such a time consuming thing and a lot of people got into sourdough and bread making or even baking. Um, so that's been really beneficial and I think we're all going to have a delicious Christmas as a result. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually on the sourdough, I have a friend who's absolutely perfected and is making these beautiful loaves, but I've also the same friend has been trying to make croissants from scratch. And it's and it keeps going back to it, trying to do. It. It's a very very difficult thing. Have you have you mastered the croissant? No, I haven't. I know it's it's all about butter, lamination, and all this. But I I'm really sort of a believer in. Like if I, if I can do it, fantastic. But if I can't, then I will just leave it to the expert and just, you know, that sort of way. I never feel like I need to sort of conquer something. Um, but I think if I can get like a really good quality version of it somewhere, like I've tried the croissant and I just think like, I don't have light, light hands for things. You know, I have hands for like kneading things and sort of, you know, pummeling dough. But I think with croissants, I just, you need sort of a lighter touch and loads of time and patience. So I just sort of, realized that I don't have that. No, my friend is the kind of person who does want to conquer things. So I'd say he'll be at it until he actually produces the perfect croissant. That would be, <laughs> I don't know when that will be, but I will be there when he takes them out of the oven for sure. Yeah. Anyway. But Lily, you know, we talked about the good things. Um, has anything been difficult for you or challenging? Say for you, your family, what has been, because everyone's been going through their own, everyone has bad days as well. So what what have you found difficult? Um, definitely. So I found difficult kind of... Um, the like for me it was sort of balancing work life balance because I've always worked from home myself and when the kids were small I would sort of do the majority of the work when they were in bed um but now a lot of my stuff is sort of content creation which I just love you know um just sharing recipes making videos and like reels on Instagram is just a joy like I could spend all day it's like having a new toy when they bought in reels just being able to make all these little videos but so for me can you explain reels for people who don't know so it, it's kind of 15 second or 30 second videos and um basically it's about sort of condensing a recipe or an idea or some sort of inspiration something that someone can take away um into into 15 seconds so it's just been really kind of like a little bite-sized joy to do but the thing is it, it it does need loads of time in the background to actually make you know it takes a lot longer than 15 seconds to make um but I love the challenge of that and I love pairing the music with it and finding the right recipe and the right music that go together and all that sort of stuff but it's so impossible to do with loads of kids around you um and so that that's been the only problem has been that sort of frustration of seeing the thirst for content and not being able to create the content that I wanted was very difficult at the start. All your family are healthy and well. I mean, Maeve, we should mention Maeve, your sister's in New York. Everyone is brilliant. Well, like family wise then, 
it's it's mayhem, you know. I mean, my my sister Daisy decided to move back to London in the midst of it, you know, um, in the midst of the pandemic, and she's been just in her apartment since May, you know. As far as I can see, really, London is crazy. Um, my brother is in Dubai, and they had a very rocky time as well of it, um, but he seems to be okay, but not coming home for Christmas or anything like that. Um, but like, I won't go through everyone, but Maeve came home at one stage. <laughs> too many of them. Here all day. Maeve came home at one stage, and she did. Um, she had isolation in uh, Dungarvan and that was lovely because at least she was in the country and then she was able to come home for a while and then she went back then and renewed her visa so her visa was a big dramatic thing that she had to get done but she got it done thank goodness um, in July so she's working away over there the whole time and Etty then is in um, in UNICEF in Jordan where actually the second wave is pretty much hitting at the moment it's actually the first wave really because it never really hit um Jordan, they were trying to keep it out of the camps and everything, the huge refugee camps there all over the borders. And they did that successfully. But now, unfortunately, they're being hit massively um, with COVID over there at the moment. So, so our family WhatsApp group is varied, extremely varied. There's kind of uh, yesterday, there was all details of the amount of cases and stuff that were going on in Jordan and the um, the number of deaths and everything but it was also like my niece's first birthday and we didn't get to see her so there's kind of there's kind of a big mix of really varied you know it's it's almost like opening twitter or something the amount of things in the family whatsapp it's just so links to different articles and photographs and memes and everything so um yeah so there's loads going on it's just sort of a balancing act of trying to um check in on everyone and i would say that has been a good thing is more contact with my siblings that I didn't sort of, um, that, you know, we wouldn't always have had time for half an hour chats during the day, but I sort of tried to ring certain people in my family every day and just keep tabs on them. You know, like one of my sisters had a new baby, so we were in touch every day, just small little snippets. Um, so it was, it was good for that as well, definitely, you know, for staying in touch with everybody more, but also worrying the same as it was for everyone else. Yeah. Um, listen, so let's go back to Monday, your last Instagram live for Food Month, and it's going to be the Volivants, very 70s. Uh, tell us what we all need to go and get over the weekend to be prepared for this Instagram live. Um, well, I was keeping it as simple as possible. So mushrooms, creme fraiche, thyme. Now, what kind of mushrooms? Any kind of mushrooms or just normal? Well, normal mushrooms are fine, but... If you recently, I bought a big block of mushroom spores from Ballyhara to grow my own mushrooms. That was my Jesus, lockdown Lily. project, and it's had mixed reactions on Instagram when I give my updates on my mushroom block. But the oyster mushrooms, it is incredible. Mushrooms are incredible the way they grow; like they double in size in a day. So, but I did say to people if they had sort of a fear of mushrooms, um, not to, I did put a warning as a trigger warning, just in case before each time I post. <laughs> you know what you reminded me of? I once, I think it was another food month because food month's been going for, I don't know, five years now or something. Another food month, I got a journalist who has an absolute phobia of mushrooms and I brought him to chapter one and I got Ross the chef in chapter one to make him a dish with mushrooms like a Michelin starred mushroom thing and I made him eat it and he was not the better for it and I actually felt bad because I didn't realize I thought I kind of think I thought the phobia wasn't real like how could you fear mushrooms but people have that don't they yeah they really they really do have it um yeah I know I discovered through loads of a lot of reaction but it's also amazing and incredible. And if we can buy them in a shop, 
we should be able to know, like, this is how they grow, you know. Um, so you can grow your own mushrooms basically for us or you can just buy. Well, like, no, we any won't have time to grow them. So we're just going to buy them in the supermarket. Or exactly. The, yeah. yeah. So market. you can you can get like chestnut mushrooms or just the regular, you know, white little mushrooms. They're perfect. So any type of mushrooms are perfect. And then thyme or if you've tarragon would be gorgeous as well with it and creme fraiche and lemon juice. They're almost like pantry things that you'd have. Like the creme fraiche and the mushrooms are probably the only things. And then yeah. the frozen valavon cases as well the giant ones so and you oh, can have anything with it like you could have I a big have never, anything. I have never bought a giant volivant case in my life but I, I think I'll do it this I know. time yeah definitely and I think as well just have them in your freezer because they're the perfect little vehicle for like leftover <laughs> turkey aren't they like turkey Ooh. instead of a creamy sauce Piled into a golden crisp volivant, a little bit of uh, cranberry sauce on the side. You really are on a on a one woman mission to bring back the volivant, aren't you? Well, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think I just think they're fantastic and they're so easy. And of course, it was I actually saw um, the gastro gaze. You know, Patrick and Russell. They had a volivant on like last week, and then I said to them, "I'm just after writing an article about volivant." So I said, "They're definitely back." So if the boys are posting about them, you know, they're on my radar. The kids thought they were just the best things ever. They thought they were hilarious. But I also want people to be aware that they don't have to be savory. You could also have, you know, some stewed Bramley apple and some custard all rippled together, a bit of cream. You could even put mince meat in them. You know, last minute mince okay, pies. So we're basically thinking of them, like you said, as a pie case, a vehicle for yeah. any delicious things you want to put in exactly them. i'm thinking the duck the silver hill duck might be nice and the duck pies yes that would be yes. that would actually be incredible yeah and listen before you go i do want to mention your two brilliant books dream deli and make bake love that i use a lot and especially make bake love my girls use all the time and we have had some beautiful treats from that like the rhubarb and custard cake and your victoria sponge we use so we're big fans in this house and and um, I think you've grown this really brilliant readership in the Irish Times as well over the last number of years. And uh, so well done on everything you're doing. Um, have you any final words for us about pandemic cooking and maybe just a little word about Christmas because it is going to be tricky? Yeah, it is going to be tricky. I think um, the main thing with Christmas is just to make a list and to put it on the fridge of all your timing. So like if you did home ec in school, you would have had to do like an order of work. And it's the only day of the year that I go back to doing an order of work for things like that. So and, and just, you know, it's like 10 o'clock, get the turkey in the oven and, you know, 11 o'clock, baste the turkey. Just as basic as that. And just it feels so good ticking it all off as the day goes on. Um, and delegate as well, even if there's just two adults in the house you know, delegate. If you've got teenage kids, delegate with them like they can totally peel potatoes. So um, it's sort of a time for everyone to get involved. And with with just sort of cooking in general over the pandemic, I would say just get into the kitchen and like nothing can go wrong. I mean, just before I did a live the other day, I burnt carrots for my own kids' dinner. Like just before I went in to do a live cook along. I was thinking like, <laughs> I've never burnt carrots in my life, you know, but you just have to... You know, I was distracted like totally, but it's just fine. Like people make mistakes in the kitchen and that's fine. Totally. And I think the other thing to say is get your children learning how to cook during this lockdown, because then you when it's over, you'll have like other people making the dinner. That's that's my tactic. I keep totally keep teaching yeah. them little things almost by accident. So then I'm like, oh, sure, you made that like a noodle thing. You can make that. I'm so lazy. Yeah. But, um, you know, get those people <laughs> cooking is what I say. 
Get them in. <laughs> well, the girls are a good age for that as well, perfect. I think, you yeah, know. Yeah, they're 11. Yeah, so that's like a perfect age. Like, I know Hazel went to the fridge the other day and just chopped up a load of things. You know, she's five. And then we had to eat it. So it was, it was like, um, what was it? It was just like, you know, carrots really basically chopped and cucumber. And then she's put loads of vinegar on it. You know, and so we had to have that on, in the middle of the table with all the rest of the dinner. And we had to all, yum, it's delicious, you know. <laughs> um, so Brilliant. I just think sort of being encouraging and welcoming to them. Well, listen, Lily Higgins, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I know we're going to have you back on again, I hope, to talk about how to survive Christmas more deeply um, because we'll all be thinking <laughs> about that in, in a few weeks, I think. Um, but until then, thank you so much uh, for everything and happy food month. Thanks a million, Roisin. Happy food month to you too. Thanks a million. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have time for. Now make sure you tune into Lily's Instagram page on Monday for her giant volivants, which sound absolutely delicious. She's determined to bring them back. And I have to say, I am fully on board with that. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Jennifer Ryan and Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. Mind yourselves and I will talk to you next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.